The future belongs to those who see the possibilities before they become obvious. Welcome to Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherall. Good day, everyone. This is Neil Toff and Paul Catherall checking in Fireside Chats Without the Fire. This is the second weekly installment of Paul and my riffing on all things contact center, customer care, and everything in between. Thank you for joining us. Paul, let the audience hear from you. Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, depending on where you are in the world. Thank you very much for listening. Really appreciate you taking the time. And Neil, I can't believe it, but from our 40-minute chat last week, we've already had 40 downloads, which I think is amazing given it's two lads that are just talking about contact center stuff. So really appreciate everybody that's listening and downloaded the episodes. Who would would have thought there'd be 40 people that have nothing else better to do than to listen to two blokes in our respective geographies, but bless them and it's great to have them. Amazing. Can't believe it. So please subscribe to the podcast, whichever avenue you use, or whichever platform you use. But if you do have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Neil or myself and we'll give you our contact details at the end of the podcast. Neil, if you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to kind of lead today's discussion off because I've spoken far too much this week and I hate doing it. It's been a long week for everyone, I think. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's crazy. It's, we're only here at Friday morning over here on the East Coast. But yeah, long week. Long I'm week. thrilled to do it. Let's get into it. Paul, you and I talked about and highlighted some areas of interest, concern, kind of top of mind stuff that's going on probably in both of our organizations that's yeah. really key for all of us in the customer care and contact center world, which is really around QA, leadership, coaching, training, getting the frontline team, and perhaps even middle management and management to really buy in and be motivated and engaged. And kind of the thought is, how do we do that? And there's so much that goes into the initial training. And once you get agents trained, right, you get them trained or you think they're trained, you set them loose on the phones or to answer chats or respond to emails or interact with customers. And then you kind of realize like, uh uh-oh, the stuff is hitting the fan. Or you realize like, oh my goodness, we did a sensational job in training and there's no issues. I think that's more the exception than the rule. Oftentimes you find once the agents hit the so-called floor, you start to figure out and see that, you know, they don't remember this, they're forgetting that, they're making a mistake here, they don't know how to use the system or software there, they're not looking at the FAQs, you know, all the stuff that comes up in training, whose job is that to make sure that these pieces of the operation work like a Swiss watch. How do you look at it, Paul, in your operation? You've got so many moving parts, but I know for you, you place so much emphasis on QA. What do you look at? From a QA perspective, I think if we can actually go back a step, the point you made there, the salient point when agents come out of training, whose responsibility is it, is one that I've always had the discussion over. In my opinion, and again, it's only my opinion, right? I've always thought for that first month, there should be a nice transition between training and operations or production, depending on the language that you use. But again, it warrants a further discussion, and we're certainly not going to get it on this podcast right now, mate. But going back to QA, what do we look for? What do I look for from a QA department? Obviously, we set guidelines in terms of what we want from a customer experience, a customer journey. Where possible, we outline what we think in inverted commas what we think that customer experience, customer journey looks like and feels like. We've gone through a number of different changes with a whole QA process. We started reviewing it with some ferocity probably about 12 months ago. And we went with the traditional, let's have 16,000 different elements on a score sheet, right? Where they range from a one to five. Because 
initially your thought process of what you want from a QA form is you want a structured approach for that agent to follow because you think that's what they're going to give you at the end of the day. What I found as I've gone through this journey is that that's not the case at all. You need to give the agent that degree of flexibility to allow them to give the best possible customer experience they can give to that customer. And you have to also remember, and this is the bit that a lot of people struggle with, is that each call is going to be different. So you need to have that degree of flexibility from an agent perspective to allow them to breathe on a call and to allow them to be that person that the customer wants to speak to. So we've gone through about three or four different variations of our, of our QA form, our QA process. And our current process now works on not a scoring matrix, but more of an effective versus ineffective, which we're finding it's a little bit easier to score agents with. Also, more importantly for us, it's easier from a client perspective to get calibration with the sites. And we've seen since we've gone down this avenue that we've seen a reduction in the difference of scoring. So if we go back 12 months, we were maybe 20, 25% difference. We're now on a weekly basis, less than 5% when it comes to QA scores. That's how I see it, mate. But honestly, I'd love to hear your thoughts because you are, to pinch one of your famous phrases, if you don't mind, you're a thought leader around the QA. And I'm really in awe of the discussions that we've had, you know, privately in the past. Maybe you can share what your thoughts are and how you see the current QA. And I hate to labor the point, but how do you see that changing in the new norm, which is 100% of agents at the moment working from home? Yeah, thank you. For those that might have missed it, Paul and I did a webinar with ICMI, I think already about two and a half weeks ago, and we got into the weeds around QA. And I had a chance to look at your QA scorecard and how you had it structured and talk about awe. I was shocked in a favorable way of how different it is from what we do. It really is making me rethink kind of how we structure these things. So we have a numerical scorecard where stuff is scored from one to 10. Each question has a weight, which yours does too, but yours is different from ours. And again, this is a favorable distinction. You don't score stuff one to 10. I think you have a qualitative description of whether it was helpful or not. I forget the language, but helpful, not helpful, good, favorable, negative. It's very simple to navigate because it's kind of more black or white, whereas ours has 10 shades of gray in the middle. And (laughs) what's the difference between a six and a seven or a three and a four? Exactly. We make our own process overly cumbersome, I think. So I really liked seeing yours. It was refreshing. All that being said, I'm really excited because literally this week, today's Friday, two days ago, Wednesday, we finalized an agreement because this is our dialogue here. I'll name the name of it. We had a company called Observe AI. We named them as our new speech analytics partner. We're super excited about the partnership. Observe AI has been particularly strong in the BPO market, but they've got a sensational set of tools to really just automate the QA process, create some analytics around it, speed it through the value chain so that if I look at things today, sometimes we listen to calls live, mostly we listen to them the next day or sometimes the next business day. So imagine calls that are being made Friday may not be evaluated until Monday or at worst Tuesday. Imagine what's happened if there's a problem on Friday and we don't start to even hear or understand it until Monday or Tuesday. That's inherently wrong. It's broken. And one of the main points of attraction for speech analytics is you just break, you know, we talk about flatten the curve and narrow the window. We're we're able to flatten the curve, so to speak, if I can borrow that term, (laughs) of potential problems that are going on in the call center world 
It's flattened. It's narrowed. And we're able to detect a problem and figure out, identify, and get feedback to the person that performed that call in such a shorter period of time. There aren't people necessarily in the middle. It's automated. And one of the things of the term empowered, meaning you don't yeah. have to pull the agent from the floor, go work in a QA room or a conference room, sit them down like an old school teacher scolding the student. You did this, you did that, <laughs> sign here, here's your grades for the quarter. You know, So we're super excited about it. I think it's going to be a massive difference maker in general, but especially as we have remote work from home agents. You can't pull the agents into the coaching room or into the conference room or into the QA room anymore. Everyone's on their own. There's no geography. Everyone is in their respective places. There's no design safe space for this stuff. So we need to get things automated, get right to the desktop, get in front of people, let them be responsible for their own feedback, read the coaching points, ask questions, dialogue. Yeah. But it elevates, I think, the skill set of the QA team and mm. adds value. And by the way, it cuts out insane amount of cost in the middle. So I'm excited about it. That's kind of how we're looking at things. A, right. just kind of as incorporating better technology, but B, is this whole work from home model explodes in our faces, we're going to be equipped to better address the QA needs that we have. 100%, mate. I've got a couple of follow-up questions, if you don't mind. I don't of want course. to become across as an interviewer at this point. But in terms of QA itself, so I think you've raised some great points. Do you see the role of a QA lead or a QA analyst or manager changing with the introduction of speech analytics and also working from home? Or is it more of a case of the current incumbents in that role are going to have to change their skill set, which will then mean that we will have to change or the BPO industry will have to change their recruitment dynamics on hiring these type of people. How do you see that playing out in the future? Exactly. I think the answer is yes to both of them. One of the critical success factors for us, whether this program will be successful or not, is were we able to reduce cost? By the way, if whether you're a big brand like where you work, whether you're BPO like us, cost is always one of the first and foremost problems we have to deal with. And if you're not addressing it, you need to be. Because every year, there's a thing called salary inflation and cost increase. And we all know that stuff. And our world, unfortunately, doesn't really permit that. So you have to find ways to be leaner and faster and more productive. The opportunity that this presents for us is to hopefully take a big chunk out of our overall cost structure. Today, we employ a small army of QA monitors, supervisors, managers. We will always have a QA department, but I see the role of the QA department absolutely evolving so that we have few to no people putting on the headset, listening to calls, have the spreadsheet open, clicking, click, 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 click. Those days, I think, are going to be over. That's a massive change in the HR structure and the org chart of how all of our organizations work today. I think the QA people that we want to have on our team are able to generate the reports, read them, interpret them, make analyses of what's going on, trend analysis, address root cause, and push out a plan to fix the problems that the reporting should show, that much higher skill set. So the more entry level, you know, in our shop, and I think in others, an agent does well, maybe they get promoted and the next line of promotion they would go to maybe a QA monitor or a coach or a trainer okay. or something like that. I see those roles not disappearing, but transitioning into a higher skill set. So the jump from agent uh, yeah. to QA leader will be a much bigger jump. Now, the skill set for the new QA, the QA of the present and future will be a lot higher. And what that means for our promotions and HR and org chart kind of remains to be seen. 
that's how I envision. I don't know. What do you think? I think you guys clearly are similar. You have a QA team. How do you see the HR world and HR role in chart evolving with this? I agree with you on so many points. It's going to change. I definitely agree with you in terms of the skill set. The skill set at the moment won't be the one that we're using in the future, particularly from a QA analyst, especially if it's going to come from speech analytics. So you'll be more looking at the types of leaders in the QA area who'll be able to spot trends, who'll be able to spot opportunities. And then also link that then back into ops in a productive and a positive way. Because from some of my experience, I've been in the game now for a number of years, but from some of my experience, sometimes the QA department can be seen as a bit of a quote-unquote secret police rather than the positive impact that it can have on operations. And in my humble opinion, that boils down to the synergy or the sync between QA and operations and training. And from what I've seen, the sooner you engage QA in training for any new hire on board, and again, the sooner you involve QA in production or operations, again, depending on your terminology, that then really shows the benefit of real QA team, not just a team, but also somebody who knows what they're doing and then they can demonstrate that they're not just there from a tick box exercise, which I think we both agree over the upcoming months that will go. You'll no longer have the tick box exercise. It will be more of a effective versus ineffective rather than kind of a scoring matrix when it comes to QA. That's where I see the future of QA going. I think it will be beneficial, certainly from a client perspective, that we will have, when I say we, I mean the clients, obviously I'm not speaking for all clients, but in my view, having that speech analytics rather than the human element that we see now will take some of the gray area away from what's actually happening and saying on the calls. I'd be interested to see what happens from a CSAT perspective when we go fully analytical or fully automated, right? In terms of if what we want the report into or the outputs that we want from the speech analytics have the right impact on the QA strokes, ESAT scores. Because I think at the moment, certainly from my experience and the systems that we're using, which is manual, that's an unknown for me. You've got obviously a lot more experience in that, but that's kind of where I sit. Yeah, absolutely. So talking about, we use the initial CSF, critical success factors. One of the critical success factors has to be ultimately, what is the impact on the customer experience, right? It's great if we're saving money, wonderful, check the box. It's great if the so-called quality improves, but that's really more an internal thing. What really matters, what you really need to look at is what's the impact externally on the customer. All of these things have a favorable impact on the customer, CSAT scores, NPS, lower effort, higher resolution rates, conversion percentage increases, average order value, and your sales, all that stuff increases, then wonderful. You check all the boxes and you're good. But that's absolutely on our list of how do you evaluate where this project really generated exactly. and generates, continues to generate present tense and future tense, a return. For us, yeah. it still remains to be seen, but that's the dream. And we think no, we you're get right, there man. with the right thing. And I'll just show this anecdotally. So, you know, we're talking about impact and how you do this. We've wanted to do this for at least the last two years. And right. I was all gung-ho to get it started. But, you know, the biggest threat that we had two years ago to doing this was humans. We didn't have the right people to manage the process. <laughs> yeah. We didn't have the right manager who was smart enough and to teach his team and manage the process correctly. And had we done this two years ago, we probably would have fallen flat on our faces. Now we're much more yeah. better prepared. I think we have the right people in place. But isn't it ironic that all this focus on 
technology and efficiency and agility, you still need the right people. So this is still exactly. very much a human business, but different humans. No, I agree, Mike. This obviously gets us into a topic of leadership and coaching and you know, one thing is QA feedback, right? We talked about yeah. that, but naturally what comes out of QA feedback is coaching and teaching and mentorship. And as long as we have live agents, we'll never be able to get rid of those concepts. Those continue to be really important. And I think hitting back on the original question we talked about is who's ultimately responsible for that stuff? How are we going to make sure that our team members have all the tools, they're motivated, they're trained, there's a career path for them? Who does that job? By the way, especially now that you don't have the luxury of going to the conference room or going out for a beer exactly. together, like how do you do that? Honestly, I think for me, given that we've now gone past our 20-minute mark, <laughs> this is probably a discussion for a future podcast. Because what you were talking about there, not only was the management side, but also I think what warrants a further discussion is what metrics should we be using? Because over the past six months, or we should be measuring, I should say, over the past six months, I've started to hear a lot of noise around customer effort score, replacing CSAT and replacing MPS. We're not going to answer it now, but again, something we can discuss in the future. I've not heard a really strong argument for one or the other. There's a lot of discussions over that. The same for Omnichannel, in my opinion. I've not really seen a positive experience of Omnichannel as yet, but I'm sure there's a lot of things you know that is happening in the marketplace or in our industry space that I am unaware of. Why don't we leave those as the next topic, right, for our next podcast? Yeah. Next week, we'll, yeah. we'll hit on those, some call them more advanced customer experience metrics, emerging trends, how to evaluate experience and things like that. I think those would be some great topics to hit on. I think those are things to look forward to, to discussing stuff you and I can prepare a little bit more. And this was sensational. Absolutely. What a thrill to end the week with <laughs> an eminence such as yourself. I appreciate it, Paul. You were wonderful today. Thanks. You're brilliant. So just for everybody's benefit, so next week, we're going to try a couple of new things. We've got a couple of guests attending, right? We've got a podcast meeting on Wednesday and one on Friday. So yeah, looking forward to the first time ever having guests on this podcast. It really is a new territory for us both, but I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Neil, how can people reach out to you? Best Twitter? way is certainly on LinkedIn linkedin.com slash in and then my name n-e-a-l-t-o-p-f i think is that whole string or certainly on twitter okay. at neil toff n-e-a-l-t-o-p-f that's the easiest way uh, and more or less the same for me so linkedin's paul catherell which is c-a-t-h-e-r-a-l-l and then on twitter it's at paul cat 72 neil wonderful thank you very much man have a wonderful weekend love to the family outstanding paul thank you so much thanks to the audience thanks for tuning in we'll be in touch we'll publish our next one next week some great yeah. topics to look forward to. Thanks for the audience for tuning in. Take care, mate. See you soon. Cheers. This has been another episode of Fireside Chats Without the Fires with Neil Toff and Paul Catherell. Follow Neil and Paul on Twitter at Neil Toff and at PaulCat72. Podcast feedback and topic suggestions are always welcome. Thank you for listening.